Good morning, church. Our uh, memory Bible verse for April, it's almost May. Can you believe that? Let's uh, repeat our Bible verse together. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken, Isaiah 25, 8. Isn't that a wonderful promise? And we celebrated this victory over death last week, Easter. All the excitement, the promise of Easter. But then comes Monday. You have this mountaintop experience, and then you come down off the mountain, and sometimes life smacks us hard. I know for our family, it was a tough week. And for me, how do you follow up a Sunday like Easter? It's kind of like trying to follow up the Super Bowl. So what happens next after Easter? I think this video has an answer for us. So there is a next step for us after Easter. It is our turn. This morning, we're going to take a quick look at a few passages that give us direction for what to do after the resurrection, what to do after Easter now that it is our turn. We're going to look at five passages and they all occurred right after the resurrection. So if you'll turn with me to our first passage, it's Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and this will be very familiar. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now this is a very familiar passage for many of us. It's often referred to as the Great Commission. We love to use this passage around our missions conference, and we love to cheer on our, our missionaries, but the text is not that narrow. It's for all disciples, including us. So we have here the 11 disciples. They have heard about the resurrected Jesus. He is risen. They listened to the instructions Jesus gave them to go to Galilee, and they are now waiting for Jesus to come. And then Jesus appears, and they worship him. And up until this point, everything is what we would expect. They've obeyed the command of the Lord. They have worshipped Jesus. But then comes this amazing statement, but some doubted. Not just one, but some doubted doubted. Isn't this how it is for us sometimes? Easter comes, or really any Sunday, and we worship, and we believe, and then comes Monday or Tuesday, and life brings with it doubts. This passage brings me comfort because it shows that we are not alone with our doubts. The first disciples, 
even after seeing Jesus alive, even after worshiping him, after obeying his call to go to Galilee, still doubted. And how does Jesus address the doubts? He gave them a commission. He gave them a mission, a job to do. He said, go. Jesus first reassures them that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. He is in control. And after everything the disciples have been through, all the doubts they may have had, that had to be a very comforting statement. They thought everything was out of control. And now they learn that no, Jesus is in control. And then Jesus gives them the mission to go, to go everywhere, to every nation. No places to be left out. There are no God-forsaken places on earth. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. And then finally, what I think is a very reassuring statement, I am with you. Not just sometimes, but always. Every minute of every day to the end of time. So to a doubting group of people, just like us, God tells them and us to go. Go to your family. Go to your neighbors. Go to your workplace or school. Go to where you shop, where you play. Go across the street and across the world. But go and share Jesus with them. And it doesn't matter if you have doubts or if you don't have all the answers. Go. Let's take a look at our second passage. It's in Mark. It's in Mark chapter 16. So you just go to the very end of Mark. All these passages are at the end of the respective book. So Mark chapter 16, verses 14 to 16. Afterward, he, meaning Jesus, appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Again, we have a commission very similar to what we found in Matthew, but with a caveat. The consequences of believing and not believing are laid out. It's a good news, bad news passage. And this adds urgency to the commission. There's a lot rotting on people believing and not believing. And so here we have the disciples. They're sitting around a table. They're actually reclining. And they basically get taken to the woodshed by Jesus. He rebukes them for their unbelief and for the hardness of their heart. So why the rebuke here? Well, it's because they didn't believe the eyewitness accounts. The eyewitnesses, the men and especially the women who saw Jesus alive and yet the disciples wrote them off and they wouldn't believe. So what does Jesus do? Well, he gives them a quick kick to get up from their table and to go. He sets them on a mission. 
Does that sound familiar? I think many of us also need a swift kick to get moving, and I include myself in that. We're sitting around a table when we should be going. So what family members need to hear the gospel? What neighbors need to hear the gospel? Who at our workplace or school needs to hear the gospel? Who across the street or across the world needs to hear the gospel? In the first passage, the message was for all the nations, and now this passage is for all creation. Every man, every woman, every child needs to hear the gospel. So who do we need to go to? Again, this passage has a sense of urgency because eternity is at stake, salvation or condemnation. So we should not be sitting around doing nothing. So who do we need to share Jesus with. Going to our third passage, is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Again, it's John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. So it starts off, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. I love how each gospel shows a different side, a different element of the call for us to go. Once again, we have the disciples, and they are in fear. They're in fear of the Jews. They have locked the doors so no one could come in. The farthest thing in their minds is to go out that door. They're not going anywhere. They are in fear. The lock the doors kind of fear. In our first passage, Jesus talks about his authority. So they can go in that authority and, and power. In the second passage, Jesus rebuked them and tells them to get moving and get out there because heaven and hell is at stake. And in this passage, Jesus says, peace. Peace. Many of us today are, are afraid. We're afraid because of the pandemic. We're afraid because of the political climate. We're afraid because of the lack of law and order. We're afraid because of injustice. We're afraid of others. What is it you and I are afraid of today? Maybe we're afraid because we don't know what to say. But have peace. Have Jesus' peace. Receive the peace of Jesus and then go. Pass that peace along. The peace that only the gospel can bring. We know that this is an urgent task. And we know that Jesus is with us. He has our back, so do not be troubled. Do not fear. Let the peace of Jesus calm us. 
And not only do we have the peace of Jesus to go with us, we have God himself with us and in us, the Holy Spirit. So when we walk out that door to talk to others, we can go in peace and with the peace of God, and we do not go alone because God is with us every step of the way. So who do we need to bring the peace of Jesus to? Who needs to hear this gospel peace from us? We have the authority and the power of Jesus with us. We have the peace of Jesus with us. We have God himself with us. We have everything we need to go. Going to our fourth passage, it's in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 36. So Luke chapter 24 beginning in verse 36. We have the disciples, and it says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled, and they were frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you so troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet? It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Once again, we have a group of men startled and frightened. And Jesus gives them peace. And one part of this comfort is Jesus letting them know that everything written about him prophesied about him has come true and this gives us comfort and that god's word does not fail and once again jesus says go repentance and forgiveness need to be proclaimed beginning in jerusalem and then to all nations and so we are called to begin where we are our jerusalem to begin right now the whole world Every nation needs to be reached. But it says here, we need to begin in our own Jerusalem. So where is your Jerusalem? Where do you start? Your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, your fellow students? We need to go. We need to begin in our own backyard. But we don't stop there. But all of us need to begin there. All of us need to go somewhere. So where is your Jerusalem? Who needs to hear about forgiveness of sins? Who is troubled and needs peace? 
Again, we do not go alone. A promise is made, the Holy Spirit. And we don't go in our power, and our own power. We go with the power of go, the power of God. Our fifth and final passage is the book of Acts at the very beginning. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. The book of Acts is a continuation of the, of the book of Luke. And so Luke writes, So when they had come together, they, the disciples, asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Again, we had the disciples coming together. And they begin asking Jesus questions about the kingdom, when he will come back. And Jesus says, nope, I'm not telling you. <laughs> it's not for you or for us to know. The disciples were still looking for earthly power. They were still looking for a kingdom, an earthly kingdom. Jesus, however, gives them something far richer and better. He gave them spiritual power. He gave them and us the Holy Spirit. And so while they, you, while they and you and I are waiting for Jesus to return, we have a task to do to be Jesus' witnesses, to start in Jerusalem to go to Judea and Samaria, then to the end of the earth. And we don't know when Jesus is coming back. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. We have no idea. But we do know that we have a task to do before he comes back. So why are we standing around like the disciples looking into heaven? Because we have a mission to do. So go. To your family. Your neighbor your coworker, go to your school, go to your friends. Every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts has this command five times. Go, be my witness. This is what we were supposed to do after Easter. Go, share the good news. And we go with and under the authority of Jesus. We go with a sense of urgency because of the stakes of eternity. We go because Jesus has given us his peace and the world needs that peace. We go because repentance is needed. Sins need forgiven. And people from across the street to across the world desperately need to hear the gospel. We go because Jesus is coming back and we have a task to do until he returns. So what happens after Easter is that we go 
and we share the gospel, the good news. So go. Leave everything you've ever known. Go to an unknown and uncharted place. And I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Go, Abraham. And then there's Moses. And God meets him in the desert and speaks to him and says, Go, Moses, go to the place you came from, to the people where you once were. Go, because I am sending you. Go and help my people find freedom and redemption. Go, Moses. And then there's Jeremiah, the prophet. He's young. He's inexperienced, he's afraid, and God says, go, Jeremiah, I'm with you. And then there's Elijah, Esther, Ezekiel, Ruth, and many others who heard the call of God to go, and they went. And then the final words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, go. I've heard it said that you can be comfortable or courageous, but you can't be bold. That's true for Abraham, true for Moses, true for Jeremiah, true for you, and true for me. See, in the Bible, there are comforting words like forgiveness, freedom, and redemption, and adoption. But in the Bible, there are also commanding words like repent, believe, follow, and go. Maybe that's the word you need to hear today, to go. Go across the room, across the hall, Go across the street, go across the campus, go across the city, the nation, go across the world, go. It's important for us to remember that this isn't just a command to go, this is an opportunity, an opportunity to bless and to bring hope and to be salt and to shine light in dark places and to give to others what was first given to us. See, we don't just go because that's what good Christians do. We go because 2,000 years ago, God looked down on a broken and hopeless and hurting world, and he looked on with compassion. And then he looked at his son, his one and only son, the one and only person who could do anything about it. And he looked at him and he said, go. And he did. And he lived, and he died, and he rose, and now he reigns, and now we go because he did it first. He moved from heaven to earth so that we could move from comfort to courage. And so that's my prayer for you. Not just that you would move to a new city with a new zip code, but that you would move from comfort to courage. That we would all move from complacency to urgency. My prayer for you is that the most beautiful thing in the world to you would not be cars, clothes, and careers, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, to know him, and to make him known. And my prayer for you is that today you would put your yes on the table and you would leave it there to go wherever and whenever God leads you to go. And so I can't promise that it'll always be exciting. Can't promise it'll always be easy. Can't promise it'll always make sense. But I can promise you this. It will always be worth it.
Easter has come and it's gone. Jesus has come and gone back to heaven. And as I read on one church sign, normal is not coming back. But Jesus is. And before he comes back, it's our turn. Our turn to be courageous. Our turn to leave comfortable. Our turn to share the gospel of peace. It's our turn to go. So go. I'm serious. Go. Go. Now. Go. We're done. Go. Go out that door and share the gospel.